Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. You're doing all your stand-up, you're, you know, how do you meet Cynthia? I meet her at the comic strip. I had this funny little sketch group with Kyle Dunnigan and Ian Bag, and uh, we were putting together this, we were doing sketches at the comic strip and she was a new comedian there. And I was standing with Ian Bag, and she came up. How old and, are you at this point? Mm, I'm like, uh, like 32. Okay. And she comes up and, uh, and introduced herself and, um, she, yeah, no, I guess I was like 28 and okay. she came up and introduced herself and asked if she, you know, what could be in the sketch group or you know, whatever. And I'm telling you something happened. Like we were both talking to each other and there was just this feeling and this electricity and she walked away and Ian Bag went, what the hell was that? What, the, <laughs> what just happened between you two? Right. I mean, it was literally a little conversation. And uh, yeah, I just knew, I just knew. And then I found out 
that uh, we had the same kindergarten teacher. What? She was from New Jersey? Yes. She was from Park Ridge, New Jersey. And I asked her around Thanksgiving, where are you going? And she said, I can't. It's just a place. You don't know it. I'm like, where? She said, Park Ridge, New Jersey. And I said, oh, did you have Miss Conway for kindergarten? Because she was at the same school with the same teacher a year ahead of me. And then I moved one town over. And when I was at the orchards in that hotel, uh, she was working in the cocktail lounge. And we never met until this moment. But we went to the same parties. We knew the same people, the same swimming pools, all of that stuff. We we just had all this common history together. So it felt like we knew each other. Did she feel the same way that you did that first conversation? I think so. She says she didn't, but I think so. Oh my she, God. She, Here's the confidence. She, didn't want, it, she yeah. didn't want to date a comedian was her big thing. She right. kept saying over of and over. Of course not. Yeah. You don't want to date a comedian. You don't want people to think that they, and, uh, but you know, I was, I was irresistible. We're, God. So you, when you're, when you, when you were in the nineties, when you were just starting out, were you drinking? Were you staying out late? Like what, yeah. what was your life? I mean, you eventually quit your mother's company. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. How yeah, long pretty did that early, take? Pretty early, just a couple yeah. of years. And um, yeah. And I would hang out with Greg and, you know, everyone would hang out because you only got on late at night. Right. So you would, on the regular shows, so you had your friends, you had all your friends, you know, at the time it was Kyle Dunnigan and Ian Bagg and um, uh, who else was around, you know, and of course, Geraldo and, and Gaffigan. And we would just like, you're just scrambling and putting on shows and you're up late and you're all together and you're young and you can drink I and you have no job. You have no job and you wake up the next day, you don't feel bad (laughs) and you can just keep going. Right. And it was just such an exciting time when I moved in and got my first apartment in the city on the Upper West Side, right near, only because Stand Up New York was the only part of New York I really understood. Right. (laughs) And, and we just would run around and try and get spots and try and do sets and, and, uh, and make it it all happen. So, I mean, that part, um, like in your book, when you talk about, which I really want to get on this topic, money. When you talk about, I love your attitude towards money, but that whole idea of when you're young and you don't have it and you don't need it, you don't care. You just, you're living off, you know. $5, they would give you five bucks. Five bucks. At the comic strip. I know, five (laughs) dollars. We used to get, when I was at the, you couldn't, they're like, this is camp fair. I'm like, this is not going to get, this will get me three blocks, you know? Five dollars, then 10, then 15, yeah. But the bacon and egg sandwich at the corner cost three fifty. So I was like, that's good. That's enough to, I could eat that. I'm good until I get to the club. I mean, I I lived on cold sesame noodles. They were two (laughs) 95. Yeah. It's so funny when you look back at it, I always say it's like when I was on my motorcycle, like I used to have a motorcycle and while you're on it, doing it, it's the greatest thing in the world. It seems safe. And And then Five years later, you're like, was I insane? That is right, dangerous. Right, right, right. I would never get on a bike again. Right. That's how I look at my early career. It's like in the middle of it, it was the glorious, most fun thing. And then you look back, you're like, how did I live on $20 a week? I know. It sounds like a nightmare. And no one, <laughs> you know, you were living on the Upper West Side. No one, well, this is pre-COVID, but you still, you couldn't get an apartment on the Upper West Side now and be an artist. No, you know? I know. Well, that's what happened, everybody all the comedians that I was friends with lived in Manhattan when we started. And then it moved to Brooklyn 
Right. And now and all the comedians live in Queens. All yeah. the young comics live in Queens. It's so, when you talk about all the guys, you know, Geraldo and all, you know, and Gaffigan and everyone, it's mm. like, I, people don't understand that there's different class, like who was in your class? It's like. Yeah. Yeah. It's know? like high school. If, right. I always say that. Yeah. Because uh, I had Ray and John Stewart and Dave, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was. And yeah. here I am. <laughs> um, so what do you think was your first big success? And because I feel like your career really started taking off in about 2002. You started getting a lot of shit. But yeah. what do you think was the. Yeah, there was like, you know, there's so many different little moments and things. That I are know. Important, you know, it, it's it, like it doesn't happen in like one big swoop. But there were. Yeah. But, but I would say uh, two things. One was um, meeting Seinfeld. When when Jerry came into Stand Up New York and I was on stage and I came off and he said how funny I was and we became friends and I was one of the only people he really knew in the clubs at the time. How, how, what, when was that? That was like 98. You know what's so funny? Because I've been in Stand Up New York when he would come in and he never said, oh my God, you were so funny, Judy. Um, oh. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a huge thing because once once people started hearing, I, I learned so much from him. Right. I just, I was like, it just made so much, it gave me um, clarity in how I was working. Because like I wasn't a Dave Attell or a Chappelle like, who would party and they just seemed to be working in this different, I would right. you know, I, I'd write my jokes and sit with a pen right. and paper. And, and then I, this guy comes along and confirmed that I was on the right track. That was Right, but it, that, you, that's, and you had this mentor who was guiding you and saying, yes, this is the way to do it. But doesn't mean that the other way is wrong. It's you know, not that it's wrong, right. but I needed, but I was hanging around, around and seeing all those people right. and starting to question myself. I'm like, is this right? You know, you right. don't know. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm not getting things. And then to have someone confirm that, no, no, you're okay. This yeah. is, there, there's another way to work. And I work that way too. Right. And, it, and that's good. And, and then, um, so and wait, then, can I just say something? You meet him. He's this huge fucking star. Yeah. Were you freaking out? Like, what, like, and no, I wasn't. You know why? And I think this was a big part of it is when his show was on, on Thursday nights and I was hustling to be a comedian. Right. I didn't see a lot of that show. <laughs> I know. Was, I'm the same way with 80s show, 80s and yeah, 90s shows. Yeah. It was same. a huge thing. Like, I mean, I was definitely aware of it. 100%, right. Right. And I watched the final episode. And I mean, I was, I was, I was a fan, but not to the degree where it freaked me out. And I, and I always, I always think that uh, part of it was that he thought I was funny. And another part was that I wasn't annoying. I right. wasn't, I wasn't like all, you know, fanboy and kind of, you know, and you, did you make an early decision not to be dirty? Um, it wasn't really a decision. It just was my nature. I'm not, I don't really right. swear a lot. And in early days, I would swear on stage because I thought I had to. You had you to, know? right. And I wasn't a good comedian and I didn't have a lot to say. And so I would do like a you know, semi-dirty joke. And it just never worked. It was like- It didn't feel right, right? It didn't feel right. And uh, and then I just, well, if it's not in my life, why is it in my act? I'm not- That's so funny because 
you know, my mother, Judith, why do you have to curse? <laughs> yeah. And she would say, Bill Cosby never curses. I'm like, okay, great. But yeah. It's the way I always spoke. Like I always was, even as a kid, I was always like, fucking, you know, and my mother's like, where the hell did you get that from? But I always, it's part of my vernacular, but I don't think my material is dirty. It's not dirty. Like I don't talk about anything filthy. I don't talk about sex. I don't talk about, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's totally you. That's the thing. Coming from me, it was like, what do you, the audience never met me before. They literally- been met me two minutes ago and they i remember the feeling like i would try some off-color joke and you could feel them be like what do you do no this doesn't make sense yeah it's like cognitive dissonance so (laughs) did you so after you meet jerry does he ask you to open for him and like how does that relationship blossom yeah he um he asked me to go on the road with him um right away uh, like after a year or so, you know, he did the, he did like that documentary of coming back, you know, comedian. Right. And with Orny Adams. With Orny Adams. I remember being so insulted that I wasn't the young comic they were following during the. Yeah. Well, look what happened to. You <laughs> it know. turned out they needed yeah. a boil, I guess. It was, right. it, but I was around during all that time. And then he was getting, he got good enough back, got his legs back in the city. And then when he was going out, he needed someone to open and then he asked if I would open for him, like at Rascals and Governors and then to the um, theaters. And right. I just and I just <laughs> hung on and went for that ride for like- Okay, did you I, call your parents and say, I'm opening for Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And were they like, oh my God, Tom, <laughs> Tom's opening for Jerry Seinfeld. Like, was it- <laughs> Like the Jews would go fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Was they he went, laying like like out of her fucking mind? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know. You know, it came in. I don't know. I don't know what the reaction was. They showed up. I'll tell you that. You're so not Jewish. Okay. <laughs> so. But then the other thing, the uh, I'm yeah. sorry, but the uh, but the other thing, the other break kind of thing was I did a show. I did a spot on Conan. Right. And I, and I said I was not going to go to L.A. until they came and got me. I wasn't right. going to be one of these people that just goes too early and tries right. to become an actor. I said, when they come and get me, I'll go. And I did a set on Conan, my first set on Conan, and people at NBC saw it. And they contacted me immediately. Before the show uh, even aired, they saw the feed. And they asked if I had a show idea in me. And would I fly out? And I, of course, said yes. And I flew out to L.A. And that was the first time. I got involved like in making pilots and that kind of thing. So that I, was I like, think I'm the only comic who never got a development deal. For- <laughs> yeah, that seems so weird. I know, but I was out, you know, yeah. I was an out comic in, in the mid nineties. All right. But anyway, right. okay. So then do you move your family, your entire? No, my daughter, um, my Wait, daughter. So you marry Cynthia, by the way, let's move. Yeah. On. Yeah. You marry Cynthia. And, and, and my, Okay, so this is a, a little bit of a weird night. I do the set on Conan. Cynthia's pregnant. We're married mm-hmm. a year. Cynthia's pregnant. She's going to- I hope birth. you didn't have premarital sex. Go ahead. <laughs> She's going to have the baby, her due date's in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is I'll do Conan and we'll take two weeks off and then we'll have the baby. So we do Conan, that set on Conan where they came and got me. We, I do this that night. I do the set. We go and meet Seinfeld for dinner. 
him and his wife take us to see Cosby at Carnegie Hall. We laugh for two straight hours. We go home and her water breaks. No! And we had the baby the next day. Because she was laughing so hard, you think? Maybe. Maybe. It sure felt like it. It sure seemed like it. Oh, my God. What a crazy night that all these things happened. All these amazing things. so So now I've got this little baby and I'm running to L.A. for the first time to have meetings and try and get a pilot going right. and do all that. And, and uh, we didn't move. We stayed in New York, but I was back and forth for a while. And that pilot ended up going. So then was we it come moved. to pop? What was it? That was coming to pop. Come to Papa. Yeah. Yeah. So then we, then we moved out. My daughter was like one and, uh, and, and we moved out to LA. We do kept our place in New York, but we, but we do you realize how, I mean, you're talented, but you're also like, the trajectory of getting to that point. Yeah. It's a lot of it is luck. I mean, it's, it, you know, that, yeah, that, that no, Jerry 100%. came in that night that, you right. know. Yeah. 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 No, those things are, those things are, uh, yeah, you, you need, you need that little luck for sure. So, um, you do, I remember come for, come to Papa. Papa. It, um, you do that. <laughs> what? That, get, that gets canceled after like, right. After like, they kind of buried it. It was like a whole thing, you know, one of those stories. Right. And I came back to the comedy cellar after it was canceled. And Manny, the owner of the comedy cellar, Manny said to me, um, I, Tom, hey, good to see you, Tommy. He was like family. And right. he said, uh, sorry, your show was canceled, but you made a lot of comedians very happy. loved him yeah it was so perfect remember that remember we used to go on those um cruise it comp oh, the, the cellar used to have cruises and the, and the boat ride the boat ride yeah. oh my god how fun were those so fun take all these comedians put them on a on a boat and have them do a set for fans for each other and the fans could yeah. be on the boat with the comedians yeah. it was really funny it was actually a boat ride i had had to call Esty from from the hospital and tell her that we're not coming on the boat ride because my daughter, because Cynthia's in labor. And she was like, then don't call me for i uh... <laughs> I'm still afraid of Esty. I mean, I love, but I love her. You know, like, I love yeah. her. Yeah. Hey, everyone. You know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of Liquid IV. Because I love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra. That has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. 
Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor and I love them and they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. So you move out to LA. Does everything kind of go in this COVID-19 upward? <laughs> um, um, no, you know, there's always... There's, there's so many... People don't... There's fits like, and starts. You right. don't get, you know... I mean, yeah, that's a great thing. It's a great night. And you get this pilot and you get this show. And then it's... a. a a new president comes in and cancels the show and it, it's dragged through the mud and all this stuff happens. And right. Someone in USA Today said something really mean about me. I don't remember what it was, but said something. And like, and now I'm in USA Today. Right. With, with that kind of thing. And, right. And then it because you know, it's up and down. I know. It's like, it's, that's the thing that people don't realize that you get things and you think, okay, this is it. Like the first time you get it, you're like, oh, great. I'm set. Yeah. This is easy. Yeah. That was easy. And then it's all taken away. It's all, (laughs) and you're a piece of shit. You're not even like, oh, right. It's like, you're a piece of shit. Like, yeah. And you've got to steal yourself and come back in a way. and, And reinvent yourself. And that becomes, and that's the rest of your life is that way. Right. So, you have, you're this new dad. You're now you've moved to LA. Your show gets canceled. How do you pull your fucking self out of this? Um, I, I just felt like I, I remember, I remember calling Jerry actually and saying, you know, is this the end of my career? Right. Cause he'd been through it all. And, and he said, no, you know, he goes, he said something like, you know, you were, it was canceled or something, but now you're in the game. Now people saw enough of you to get you this far that means you have something you're you're part of the game and and you're in. And right. the biggest thing for me was the biggest realization that I was again in my had the control. This is back to the being a comedian and an actor thing. Yeah. 2 months after I was canceled, I'm driving back onto the NBC lot to do a set on the Tonight show. Right. And I was like, "Oh, again, back to stand up New York." Right. As long as I can stay as funny as possible, they right. can't say no. Like I can come back and be on NBC, even right. though I no was, one can take that away from you. No, that's the one thing in all of this madness that you right. can, you can control. It's just so I know. I mean, I I know a lot of comics say to me, you know, why do you still go out and do sets all the time? I'm like, because yeah. it's mine. It's mine. Yeah. I remember when I did. I was on uh, All American Girl. And I was, and I remember thinking the Margaret Cho sitcom, and I remember thinking, 
oh, once I get on a sitcom, I'm not going to have to do stand-up. And it's like, I couldn't wait (laughs) to go out at night. And because the fucking writing was so bad, you know what? It was just. Yeah. Yeah. No, stand-up is what we are. Yeah. So you, you have then, you have morphed into, you do so much different. Like, I love that about you. Mm -hmm. Radio. TV, baking, author, writer, comedy writer. It's like, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's well, amazing. Yeah. Well, I feel lucky that we can get to do it. Right. And, you know, and if, uh, if people keep letting me write jokes and keep, keep letting me be on the radio and let me do all this other stuff, I'm going to do it, you know, and the yeah. writing, the writing's really taken over. Like it's, I just Do love you, now, writing. Yeah. So I never loved sitting around writing uh-huh. um, until the past, I don't know, five years, 10 yeah. years. I don't know what happened. I kind of, my brain moved in a way. Yeah. Well, I think you get better at it. You, you, you get better at telling stories and you know how to do it. And you also have a life. You have stuff to, right. perspective. You know, you don't have to write about eating noodles in an apartment anymore. Right. You have a full, full life and you feel, you know, you have stuff to say and, and your craft is better at the same time. And, and it's just more enjoyable. It's like, you could actually, you actually see yourself getting stuff, something right. out of the process of writing. Right. When you did, so Jerry um, had a show called the marriage ref where you were the host was, I remember I did a test show. It was me, Andy Cohen, who else? Someone else. Yeah. And uh, and it, I felt like, I remember watching you and I'm thinking, oh my God, I feel bad because I feel like he wants to be himself, but he's, I remember, because it was like Jerry was there and the yeah. network was there and because it, it was a test thing. So yeah. it was like, oh. And, <laughs> yeah. and I was, I felt like, Oh, I just, I wanted to hug you and be like, oh. It was like that the whole run. Yeah. It was, it was like that the whole way. It was, uh, yeah, it was. It was, so, I, I wanted to just kind of be myself and be right. funny off the cuff and do stuff. And and uh, and Jerry had his very clear idea of what he wanted me to do. And he was the boss and there was other people involved. It was, yeah, it was a very frantic time. Did you, do you <laughs> think that experience affected your friendship with Jerry? Uh, I don't know. I think we navigated it all pretty well. It was hard because then he, the show got panned by critics and stuff and it was all on him. They didn't even know I was hosting. It right. was a Seinfeld show and, and all of that stuff. And um, I think it could have if we weren't, um, if we were different people. Do you I think, think if you did it now on your own terms, it would it would be a different show, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it would be different. I would. And a lot of people don't know this. Since that time, you have officiated some amazing weddings. <laughs> That's of right. Comics, and you'll be doing mine very soon. Yes. I mean, oh, who the hell knows? I All we do is fight. All we fucking do is fight. <laughs> Your um, foray into radio. Mm-hmm. Um, hat, like you got? Did you get a? Did you get a? an offer from Siri, like what the, how did that happen? Cause now you're like Mr. NPR and it's, <laughs> and, and why the fuck can't I get on? Wait, wait, don't tell me why. I don't know. Have you tried? 
Yes. So I did the uh, downtown Seder with what's his name, the host. Peter Segal. Yes. And, uh, and I was like, uh, and I was like, I really, yeah, and he's from New Jersey. Like, uh, come on. <laughs> and then why, why don't they put you on? I don't know. I would love that. I would be perfect on that. You would be show. great. Yeah. You're definitely one of those comics. Right. A hundred percent. And now you're guest hosting. I got to guest host it. It was, was so it great. fucking amazing. It's crazy. It was like, what do you mean I get to? I, I I had the same reverence for the show that you have. Like, I loved it. I just saw Paula Poundstone. It was just right. like, I would oh, drive around and yeah, hear yeah. it. And I was just like, this is insanely good. And why can't I get on it? And I finally cracked it and got on several times over a couple of years. How the fuck did you crack it? Um, I don't know. I think I think because my agent was involved with uh, he he knew the people there pretty well right. and, and would give them. Uh, oh, my agent uh, is why my agent is Paula Poundstone's agent. So he had a relationship with the show for a while. So it huh. got me. I mean, I had the same frustration. I remember I was in Chicago and the um, doing an interview at NPR and they came up and asked me. They said introduced themselves like, oh, here's when it happens. I get to get on the show. And all they asked me about was Seinfeld. If I could help them oh, get signed. Oh God! Up. Don't you hate that? Like I have that with Rosie. <laughs> yeah. So I, then, yeah. It's not for. So I didn't get on the show for another three years after that ask. I mean, it it takes a long. You know, sometimes it just takes. You a give while. me such hope because, um, you know, you just you have a Netflix special, hilarious, and and I told you when I was doing because you have a radio show with Fortune. Yeah. You love and you're very good with the lesbians. I have to say, love them. You love lesbos. It's so great. I just I love do. that you love women so much. Um, <laughs> what would you do if one of your daughters was a lesbian? Would you care? I'd be, I'd, I'd be happier. That's what my son said. I would. Henry's I like, I want my daughter to be. I don't want her to be around men. But Ugh. he's not. He's not even like even close to being. He's twenty three, but he's like, oh, my daughter better be a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. um, so. Uh, you said to me when I was doing your show with Fortune, I was uh-huh. like, you know, I can't, I haven't had, honestly, I've not had a comedy special in 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Comedy Central time. decided I was too old and that was it. And it was like, I have so much material. And, and, and I said, Netflix said I don't fit the algorithm. And you were like, nah, don't even listen. It's going to. Yeah, happen. you can't, we can never listen. And now Comedy Central, they fired everyone. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're all gone. Right. 800 um, pound gorilla. I love them. That's I love the way them. to do it. Yeah, I did. Do a special uh, with them and post and just put it up on, and let people see it. Yeah, they, I did two them. albums with them. So, yeah, I love them. That's um, the way to go. You don't need but, people to say yes to you anymore. Right. Which is that thank thank you to Louie in a way for that. He kind of started that whole do it yourself thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was smart about that. But yeah. yeah, but the technology was there. The technology made it so. Right. And when he thought up the idea of, you know, I'm gonna produce this myself, he was mm-hmm. masturbating when he thought of that. All right, anyway. <laughs> he was so over, so excited by the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you also are part of, um, the, the NPR show with what's his name? Live from here. Live from here. Who plays the mandolin like a fucking nobody's business. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, you're writing these books. And I have to say, your radio show, which is sort of like an old-fashioned radio show, is, I fucking love doing it. It's so great. Is it once? You're the greatest. Yeah. No, you are. It's once once every, once a month. No, I mean, at that show, you are. Oh, I love doing it. I love it. I love, I think it's so clever. Your Andy Rooney thing never gets old. (laughs) I have. Um, It's, you're just a fucking delight. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked to my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code JUDYGOLD, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code JUDYGOLD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code JUDYGOLD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. Do you miss New York? I do. And you know what's really strange is as as hard as I, as, as awful as this whole pandemic is in New York, this is the first big national thing where I'm not involved in as a New Yorker. And I feel like I've, I feel like I've let the city down, right. <laughs> you know, like nine 11, when nine 11 happened, that was an, a, a thing for the country, right. but it was more a thing for New York. And I know that that's what's happening now. And to be in LA feels, feels strange. I left on March 14th and drove to Provincetown. Yeah. Um, Cause I was like, I'll go for two weeks. I still, I've not, I haven't left. I haven't gone back yet. Yeah. And yeah. I feel, I feel guilty. I know. I and I feel like I can't believe I'm not there for the seven o'clock. I know. You know, I'm such a New Yorker. So, but I'm, I know it's hard, yeah. but it's, but I know it's even, I know this is much more intense because all of my beloved New Yorkers, not all of them, but a lot of them also got out of town. Right. And I don't know what, like, 
people are like, why do I even, like, if you can't walk out of your apartment and be in New York, which is the whole reason to be in New York. Completely. People are, le- I mean, I know. Yeah. Henry told me some of his friend's parents are like, done. Wow. I'm out of here. Well, you know, we're going to get a vaccine. It'll be okay. See, you're very positive and I'm not. Um, you got it. You got to be hopeful. But I am positive. Like, you can't, there's a thing they say about pessimists is that they're really positive because they're just <laughs> poo-pooing everything. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. That's how I feel. I do, I, look, I wouldn't continue on in this business if I wasn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. somewhat. No, exactly. Uh, Hopeful. You stay out of politics. And I have a really hard time doing that because I'm a woman because I'm a lesbian mm-hmm. um, and because, you know, I came out on stage as a gay parent and everything was not fair. And I just get so, I just can't believe, like I yeah. am, I mean, and I know you, I know you probably look at what's going on and you're like this buffoon, this, you know, how do you, how do you do that? How do you, like if I get on stage, like, I think about it all the time. Yeah. There are moments, there yeah. are moments when I'm driving to the club and after digesting like on a particularly bad political day and it's, it's like you want it to come out. It seems like, like strange not to, not to get into it. But I feel like there are people that are so much better at it and who really, really passionately, I mean, I, you know, I'm not that, savvy with it all. I I have very strong feelings and I know what I believe in. And it, you know, it kind of goes beyond party, but I, I, I feel like there's people that are much better at it. And especially today when it's so much, I mean, every late night show is just about that. News people are, are now producing the late night shows. Uh, It's like, you know what? They don't need my voice added on. They don't need a lesser version. But you don't, I mean, do you think if you were vocal about your opinions that you would lose fans? I mean, I get so much hate mail that it's beyond. Yeah, I would definitely yeah. be part of that scrum. Right. And you know what? You know what the the thing is? They sense it. Uh, Leno actually gave me the advice because you don't have to say what what your beliefs are. They know it as soon as you get on stage. They right. know who you are. And right. it's true. I mean, when I go on shows, if I go on Rogan or mm-hmm. if I go on different shows, People are guessing what you're, what you are, and, and attacking you anyway. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So no one's. I, I, one one time I did Larry Wilmore's show. I did Opie and Anthony in the morning, and all the fans were calling me this uh, this liberal hack. Right. And then that night I did Larry Wilmore's show on the on Comedy Central, and everybody after that show was calling me a right wing zealot. <laughs> you can't. So, I know. So you people are just anyone. waiting for it. So I don't know. I want That's my. That's why I miss. I miss you know tough crowd. I really do miss that. Yeah, that yeah, was me the best. Too. That was the best. Um, all right. So I always ask my my guests two questions um, before we hang up. Okay. Number one, which I know the, I think I know the answer to. Okay. Uh, we're very pro mental health. Hmm. Um. No stigma whatsoever. Yeah. Uh. Have you ever been on antidepressants and which I'm going to assume not. And I know you meditate. Uh, so what do you do for your mental health? Yeah, I would say that's it. I I've never been on antidepressants. I've never been to a therapist. What? 
You've never been to a therapist? You're so fucking lucky. <laughs> I know it's luck. I know it's luck. I'm totally aware of that. When I was uh, when I was in high school, I remember waking up and and if, if I would wake up and be cranky, I knew I could snap myself out of it and go have a good day. I'd wow. be like, I would coach my, I would tell myself, right. let's go, snap out of it, let's go. Right, let's. and that's probably sports too. Helps yeah, you that's with that. Yeah. Part of it's sports, and and my my family was very. Right. My grandparents were like, be positive, enjoy the day, and go right. do it, which is all great, unless you have depression and or, right. You know, chemicals in your head that don't help you. And then all the, all the positive (laughs) pep talks isn't going to work. I'm totally aware of that, but I do get stressed. I do have a lot of stress, but once I started doing TM. I know uh, we talked about this. Yeah. I, Bob Ross going to fucking kill him. He's like, no, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to meet. And then like nothing. I just. You should, you shouldn't let that go. That's more important than anything. I would. I know, but I've been, I know how to meditate, meditate. Do you think that it's, is it way different than just mindfulness meditation? This is an, it's an, it's an easier way to meditate. It's easier, less judgment and more effective. Right. And you get your own thingy. You get your own thingy. Your mantra. Yeah. I I do it two times a day. For 20 minutes. I wake up early to do it before my day, like whatever I've got, like if I got to be somewhere at nine and normally we get up at eight, I get up at seven to make sure I can get 20 minutes in before the day starts. Wow. And, and then, then at night? And then sometime in the afternoon, usually like late afternoon. Wow. You're good. It's um, good. I know I'm going to do it. I mean, I've been playing the piano in the morning and. That's not going to help anyone. Shut <laughs> It's so, it does the same thing to my brain my, uh, yeah. when I practice piano. and I, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, my last question is, you know, the podcast is called Kill Me Now because as you know, Thomas, yes. I get pissed off about like everything. Yes. So I want to know <laughs> what makes you fucking mad? What makes you so fucking crazy mad that you fucking fuck? <laughs> and it could be anything. It could be people walking in front of you, looking at their phones. It could be anything. But what what really pisses yeah. you off? Uh, the thing, and uh, the thing that's really that really bothers me. It's it's so funny. Like these things. The thing I'm going to say almost seems trite when there's a pl- pandemic going right. on. Uh, you know, it's like I wonder how long it's going to take for comedians to complain about you know airplanes. Right. Uh, but it is the the. Um, playing of devices without earphones oh! in public places, oh! FaceTiming in public places. Oh! They're ruining all of my favorite places in the world. Oh Great lounges, God. quiet bars. And then to have somebody playing videos, playing video games, doing all this stuff without any AirPods. That is really, I, you know what? Making me want to take I to the- fucking love you for saying that because there are so many times like I'll be on the bus or yeah. something, or I'll be waiting for the, and then someone will be on their phone talking with the phone to their ear and the person's on speaker. So it's like you hear the other person and, and it's like, who? Well, no one fucking wants to hear your fucking conversation. I know. And, and then you're at dinner uh-huh. having a conversation and someone's there with their kid and it's like, ming, 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 uh-huh. ming, 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 ming. And yeah. right, exactly. The lack there's, I, when I go to New York, I stay at the Soho Grand, which has this beautiful lounge for breakfast in the morning. It's just soft couches and quiet music and beautiful people. And you, I could sit there and write all morning long. And then somebody 
sits at the couch across from me and starts watching funny videos on YouTube. Oh. Speaker up. And they, I, I just look at them like, why do you think, don't, right. don't you see you're the only person making noise right, right. now? We they need, don't, ugh. We need audio distancing. That's what we need. Oh, it'd be so great. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so that bothers, that bothers me. All right. Well, that was good. I like that one. Listen, All right, good. Tom, I love you. I love you too. Even though I think you have a terrible communicate, like I don't know how Cynthia puts up with you and your one word responses. Um, <laughs> but uh, you are so fucking talented. You're such a good person. Uh, you are too. Uh, and I love you and I love your family and I can't wait to do your show again. All right, cool. And thank you so much much i love you you're the best you I'm are. A, it's an honor to be your friend i'm gonna cry <laughs> don't cry <All> right. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to part two of kill me now with my friend tom papa if you like the show please make sure to subscribe and leave a review it helps more people find this amazing podcast five stars only please thank you very much you can catch me tonight that's right tuesday june 16th via zoom for the West Side Comedy Club, it is a show hosted by Frankie French that is called Debatable AF, Debatable as Fuck. It's at 7 p.m. Uh, tonight. And also Thursday, June 18th, I will be performing on the virtual Safe Center Benefit at 7.30 p.m. Links for all of these events can be found online at my website or social media. And if you haven't had the chance to pre-order my new incredible book, yes, I can say that it is available for pre-order. Uh, it'll be released July 28th, wherever you get books, Amazon. And I just recorded the audiobook, and it's really good. So and the book is great. Margaret Cho actually said, Judy, this is a quote. Judy Gold is the voice we need to cut through all the bullshit. I love her. And she always makes me laugh. We need her now more than ever. That's right, Margaret. So there you go. It would mean so much to me if you would check it out. All pre-order links are on the homepage of judygold.com or wherever books are sold. And you know it's Pride Month, so make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for any uh, Pride events. And all of my dates are at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, you know, like Jew Gold. And I just want to say, let's all change this world together. Let's change this country, make it a better place, get rid of this systemic racism, and, you know, be be the great Americans we can be. So that's what I'm wishing for. And as we always say, so long. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.